Um, when I was listening to you all sing, um, Lord, Lord, I need you, it, it, uh, it, remi- it rewinded me to a moment. Like, uh, that was a song that we sang all throughout my son's cancer journey. And, you know, I remember moments like he had to have like 50 lumbar punctures, which are like shots in your back. He was knocked out, gosh, dozens of times and just weeks and weeks and months in the hospital. And it was just in those moments of like, what do we do? You know, and and just that simple declaration, Lord, I need you, oh, I need you. Every hour, I need you. My one, my life to shine. Oh, God, how I need you. I hope, I hope, I hope with all my heart, those aren't just words for you, but a declaration that you're in a place of need and you need him. You just need him. We need him. And yeah, I don't know. That was just, it was beautiful. So thank you so much for seeing that, declaring that out. It really was a great reminder to me of some dark places that I've been in into that and reminding me that God is that hope when we don't know what to do, don't know where to go, and we just go, I don't know what to do, but I know I need you, and you're my righteousness. Think about that. You're, you are my righteousness. You are my hope. You are the one that is going to help me through this. You're my comforter. You're my peace. You're my love. You're my joy. You're at all, and I, I need you. I really, really need you. Uh, let me pray real quick, and then we'll, we'll dive in. God, we, we declare tonight that we need you. We need you, we need you, we need you. Please forgive us. Please forgive us for all the times when we've just been like, we got this, we got this, and then we fail and fall apart, and we go, we need you, we need you. We thank you for your patience. Thank you that you see us, and you know us, and that you care about us, and that you love us. So grateful for each of these students. I love that we've been able to learn the word of God together. A book, a book of John, the Gospel of John, got to start at the beginning and here at the end, and, and yet it's just the beginning all over again, and now we get to go live it out, and so would your spirit guide us and lead us in wisdom and in truth for your glory and your honor, and everybody said, amen. amen. Uh, I have a gift. It's a gift that I discovered as a small child. How many of you have like special, like unique abilities? Raise your hand if you have like a, like, yo, look, my thumb can bend backwards, right? Um, So I actually have a special ability too. It started when I was a child. I had this very curious thing where I wanted to catch a bird. That's all I wanted to do was to catch a bird. I think I was like four and I uh, derived a plan uh, to catch a bird. And so what I did was... I lived up in Ohio, but all my family lived in northern Michigan, and all I wanted to do was catch a seagull. Uh, and if you've ever tried to catch a seagull, they're really hard to catch. So what I decided to do is I poured out a bag of potato chips, and then they all came in, and I jumped in like a crazy man, and I caught one, and I held it up in the air like Simba, and I was like, I did it, and then it pecked me, and I cried. But I thought it was just like a one-time thing, like, oh, okay, that's like funny of the kids. It'll be a great little photo. My dad actually got a photo of me holding this bird and then crying afterwards. It was adorable. 
horrible. But then I realized like, no, this ability keeps going on. And I, we were hanging out with some friends in a cabin and it was late at night, we were having fun. And then all of a sudden this, this mouse starts jumping from like, like in the house all around. Everybody runs and they're standing on the kitchen table. By the way, I don't know if you know this, like why are we all afraid of mice? Like just, it's that big. It's just literally, you're a giant, you're a giant. You're a giant, you're a giant. So, so it was bouncing around, everyone's freaking out. And I was like, wait a second, I have a gift that God has given to me and I need to put this to the test. So I rolled up a piece of newspaper and just started stalking this thing. And it jumped from one beam to another in midair. I just went, flack, and I hit it and it smacked against the back wall. I threw it, yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. We all have things, we all have gifts. We all have gifts. This just happens to me, mine. Uh, a few years back, a few years back, I was on a staff retreat. Uh, I actually have a video of this one. Uh, so if you catch me at some point uh, tonight or tomorrow, uh, I, I actually have a video of this one. But uh, we're having a staff meeting. We're up at this cabin once again. Again, apparently animals love cabins. And uh, hopefully maybe you've gotten some of that fun action, <laughs> like an animal action. You know. um, so anyway, so we were... We were in, I was in the cabin, we were having a staff meeting, everyone was kind of hanging out and chilling afterwards. It was just like this kind of old, you know, kind of building at Forest Home, this other camp, we won't talk about it. But anyway, um, uh, so we were up there and, and, and everyone's kind of chilling out and then all of a sudden I hear all the ladies in the house are going, there's a bed, oh my God, and people are freaking out and they're covering their heads and diving under couches and I was like, I was built for this. Like I know what to do. And I like, I stood up and I watched this bat and it was flying around. People were freaking out. And I, I am not even kidding you. I have video evidence to prove it. I punched this bat in the mouth. I just went bam and I punched it and it landed on a couch and we wrapped it up. I, we wrapped it up in a hoodie. Uh, Corey Fenn, who used to work here at Hume Lake, he, he, he wrapped it up and then ran outside. And in the video, he goes, I can't believe it. Jeff punched it right in the mouth. And then he threw it. And then the bat just took off in the air. It was like this epic moment. Like, I have a spiritual gift of punching animals in the face. It's a gift. I, what can I say? What, what can I say? What can I say? Uh, one of my mentors, one of my mentors has this quote and he says this, everybody's busy doing, but no one's getting anything done. Everybody's doing, everyone talks about being a Christian or following after him. That's why we come to camp, right? But are, what are we getting done for the kingdom of God? Are we just talking or are we doing Right, because the Christian life was never meant to be a passive thing, but very proactive. But here's the crazy thing, and this is why it falls apart all the time. In our own power, ability, our own wisdom, we will fail. You will continue to fail over and over and over again, but through the power of the Spirit of God, here's what you need to know. You truly are unstoppable. You are truly unstoppable. And the question is this, do you believe that? Do you believe that you were not given a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power? Do you believe that just because you're a junior hire doesn't mean 
that you have to wait to grow up to do immensely great things for the kingdom of God. You are born at this time, at this age, for right now to glorify God in everything you do. You are incredibly powerful. Listen to these words that Jesus says and take this in in John 14, 12 through 14. Truly, truly, by the way, that's like, yo, pay attention. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works I do. Jesus is saying this. And greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that my Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. What Jesus just said to you and to me is this. You're gonna do greater things than even I did. Why would he say that? We have the spirit of the living God in us, moving us. 2,000 years later, the disciples of Jesus went from 12 to billions because people believed that he was who he says he was and that he would do what he says he would do. That like John started off our gospel and said, in the beginning, all the way back, truth exists, why? Because God exists and what did truth do? Truth moved into the neighborhood, and truth lived among us. God walked among us. He loved us and cared for us, and we, well, again, we started off with this idea like an eagle swoops high above and comes near. He came near to us, and he loved us, and he cared for us, and he displayed for us who he really is. And we have recounted those stories, story after story after story, all throughout this week, that he is who he says he is, and he'll do what he says he do, which means this, to death, he died on the cross because he did what he said he would do. But not only did he die on the cross, he rose in resurrection power because he said he would do that, and he is faithful to do that. And so where we find ourselves now is like Jesus has risen from the grave, defeated death, couldn't hold him down. Everybody say, amen. 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 But we find the disciples where? Anybody know? They're freaking out. Oh my gosh, their plan just got blown up. They thought that Jesus was like the dude, right? And we were on the winning team, and now he just died. And they buried him. You have this scene where, where you have these disciples on the way home, and they're like, we thought he was the Messiah. We thought he was going to do great things. We thought he was awesome. Everyone's discouraged. So Mary, Mary Magdalene shows up to the tomb on the third day, and she's like, yo, the tomb's empty. Like, what's going on? And she's kind of freaking out. So she goes and she tells James and Peter, by the way, I love this story. If you read this, you have to read this. It literally says in the story, you know, John's the author. John's like pretty good about complimenting himself. He's like, you know, the one that, 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 that Jesus loved. Um, and then he says in this actual thing, as they're running back to the tomb, he literally says in his gospel that he beat Peter to the tomb. He was like, and we were both running to the tomb. And the author of this thing beat this other guy. But don't worry, about it. I'm just saying. He gave himself props. Okay, so just read it. You'll find it. Okay, so John and Peter come and they see the tomb's empty. And everybody's like, the tomb's empty. The tomb's empty. But here's what they forgot. Jesus has been saying this all along the way. It's been prophesied in their scriptures. They've known this truth. 
and, and it's right in front of them, and they're missing it, and the rest of the disciples are hiding, afraid, and Mary is weeping at the tomb. Oh, my gosh, and then Jesus, the risen Jesus, meets her. And then he goes and he shows up into the room where all of these disciples are so afraid. They're afraid of the Jews. They're afraid to get persecuted and killed just like their Messiah was, or like Jesus was. And what is the first thing that Jesus says to him? And this is so good for you and for me. The first thing he says is this, peace be with you. You ready for this? Chill out. Take a breath. Everybody take a breath with me right now. Everything going to be okay. Why? Because I'm with Jesus. Because I'm with Jesus. And Jesus is who he says he is, and he'll do what he says he does, will do. And he says to the disciples, look, look. And they're like, they can see the markings on him. It's true. Everything he said was true. I, uh, when Cooper first, uh, or, or when we were starting Phoenix One, and, and I, I got that up and going, and, and we were going for about a year, and things were really great, and uh, I, I was probably about nine months, 10, 11, 11, about 11 months in to doing this really great thing, and, and a guy walks into our office. This was like nine years ago. Guy walks into our office, and he hands me $10,000 cash. Here you go. And I was like, and I was like, oh, you're making, I, I'm, you're making a donation to, to my organization. My organization is a nonprofit. I was like, thank you so much for your, your donation. That's huge. He goes, no, 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 it's not, it's not for your organization. It's for you. God told me to give you this money. And I'm like, what? And so I'm like, are you sure, man? And he's like, I'm telling you, God told me to give you this money. And I'm like, wow, I don't know what to do. So I called a mentor of mine, and I'm like, I don't know what to do with this. This guy just walked in the office, handed me $10,000 cash, and said that God told him to give it to me. Like, what am I supposed to do with that? And he says, he gave me a piece of advice. He said, put it in your bank, off to the side, pray. Pray and ask God to reveal to you what maybe he would have you do with that money and maybe after, he said, after 30 days, go back to the guy and say, hey, I just want to make sure that this is from something that God wanted you to do or it was impulsive. Like, I just want to check. He, so those are his pieces of advice. To the day, 30 days, my son was diagnosed with cancer. And that $10,000 paid for the first six months of his treatment. Why do we doubt? Why do we doubt that God goes, does, isn't before us? That God doesn't know? That God doesn't see? It was almost like God went like this. You're going to be okay. I see you. But here you have Thomas. Thomas is known what? As the doubter. The doubter. You have two people. I love John. John's so relational in the way that he tells the stories that he actually ends his gospel with a couple stories about the disciples that I think you and I can relate to. And what we have right off the bat is Thomas the doubter. In John 20, if you have your Bibles, John 20, verse 24. John 20, verse 24. It says this in verse 24. Now Thomas, one of the 12, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So he was not in the room when Jesus appeared and first said, peace be with you. So the other's disciple told him, we've seen the Lord. Can you imagine? 
Thomas rolls in like he's just getting some eggs or something like that. You know, he rolls in. They're like, bro, you're not going to believe this. He showed up. He said, peace be with you. Oh my God. You know, like they're freaking out. They're super, super excited, super pumped. But he said to them, unless I see his hands, the mark of nails, the place and place my fingers into the mark of the nails and place my hand into this side, I, listen, will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were once again, or inside once again, and Thomas was with them this time. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them. And what does he say again? Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, it's almost like he just singles Thomas out. He knows his heart, he knows his doubt, and he just looks at him and he says, Thomas, come here. Thomas, put your fingers here see my hands and he put out his hands and, and place it in my side do not disbelieve but believe thomas answered him my lord my god jesus said to him have you have you believed because you've seen me blessed are those who have not seen me and yet they have believed by the way some of you believed last night without physically seeing jesus and placing your hands on the word, in the wounds. By faith you did this. This is what Jesus is talking about. So many of you in this room, every one of you, I have been there. You will doubt. You will doubt. You will doubt. Is this all real? Is this crazy? Is this all just like, is camp just about hyping you up? You'll get a bit older and go, oh, it was all about emotions. Like they had this speaker and he just talked at 11 all the time. He told these crazy stories to get our emotions all stirred up. See, it's all about that. Like we're going to go through doubt. You're going to struggle through this. You'll struggle with this because it takes faith and faith is hard. It's not easy. Thomas is doubting. He's struggling. But here's my, here's my advice to you. The same advice that I would have given to Thomas. Don't give up. Keep moving forward. Here's what I want you to see about Jesus. Jesus doesn't kick him out of the band. Just think about all that Jesus has gone through. Died, rose again, appeared to them. And Thomas doesn't believe. But what does he do? He meets Thomas right where he's at. Here's this. Check this out. He's going to meet you right where you are are at. He's going to meet you in your questions. He's going to meet you in your doubt. He will meet you there because he loves you and he's pursuing after you through his spirit. He is going to awaken your soul. Don't give up. He's not giving up on you. He won't give up on you. He meets Thomas right where Thomas is. And he gives Thomas an opportunity to experience what Thomas is longing for. He meets Thomas right where he's at. And let me tell you something about doubters. When doubters start, when, and doubters have faith, they go to the ends of the earth. Do you know what we know about Thomas? After this moment, Thomas leaves. Thomas goes farther than any other apostle. He travels to India, the farthest, and he's murdered there, martyred there, and I visited his grave. The man that we would call the doubter becomes a believer and shares the gospel to the ends of the world. Why? Because Jesus met him in his doubt. 
Jesus didn't go, get out of here. If you don't believe all this, then you're out of the, t-. no. What do you need? I'm gonna meet you in your doubt. I'm gonna meet, he doesn't cast you out. He doesn't say, you're off the team. Get out of here if you're struggling. Get out of here if you're discouraged. No, he meets you right where you are. And when you finally come out of that doubt and move into faith, you will move forward in the kingdom of God as a powerful agent of truth that he met you, he loved you, and he saw you. I know some of you have gone through really deep, dark things, and you've asked some hard questions about God. And he's met you in that doubt. And as a result of that, you felt comfort. You felt a peace that passes all understanding. And people go, how are you not freaking out? And you're like, I just feel like he's near to me. He's comforting me. And you're preaching to people, telling them about the good news through the way you live your life. This is what Thomas did. Doubters, doubters, when they turn their doubt into faith and end up becoming the most radical disciples. So do not be afraid. If you struggle in your doubt, don't be discouraged. Move forward and have faith and believe and watch the way that God will use you to share the good news with people all around the world. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And then we have Peter, right? Remember Peter, right? Peter's, uh, we love Peter. Peter's like the every person. And we have this really great story in the very last chapter of John. And here's what happens. A while later, they're going fishing, right? They're doing fishing because they kind of went back to their kind of normal jobs. They're kind of like, well, okay, what do we do now? We've seen the risen Jesus, like, uh, uh, you know, uh, what's going on? And so they go back uh, to their kind of normal life and they go fishing. And, and then Jesus is on the shoreline and, and, and they don't notice him. They don't, they don't see him. And then he starts having this conversation with him, like, what's just probably for them a bit annoying. Like, there's fishermen, and they're like, he's like, hey, did you ever think about the other side of the boat? And they're like, shut up, bro. I've been doing this my whole life, okay? Relax. I don't need that, okay? But Jesus is like, you might want to put that net on the other side. Put the other net on the other side. And then all of a sudden, John sees that it's Jesus. And he's like, it's Jesus. And the moment he says that, Peter jumps out of the boat, and he starts running towards Jesus. John was the first to understand that it was Jesus, but it was Peter who was first to act. And there's something that's happening in Peter's heart. What is going on in Peter's heart? Do you know what Peter was? Peter was a man filled with shame. Remember, Peter was the one that would told Jesus, hey, listen, I'll go anywhere. I'll die for you, Jesus. And Jesus is like, you're going to deny me before the end of the night. No, not me, bro. I'm all in. I'm all in. I'll follow you to the ends of the earth. I'll do it. And then what do we find? Once, twice, three times, Peter betrays Jesus, watches him hang on the cross, doubts him. And he's filled with shame, just discouraged, man. But he loves Jesus and he continues to run after him. And in John 21, verse 15, it says this, when they had finished breakfast, which by the way, I love this part of the story, where Jesus is like, let's have some breakfast. I just love that. Like, I think sometimes we think the Christian life is way too complex. Nah, let's have some breakfast. Everybody, let's have some breakfast. So they eat breakfast. And while they're eating breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said, yes, Lord, you know I love you. He said, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know I love you. He said to him, tend to my sheep. 
He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you away where you don't want to go. This was said to show what kind of death he was going to glorify God. And after this, he said to them, follow me. Here's what I want you to see what Jesus does with those who live in shame is he forgives them. The three times that Peter denounces Jesus, Jesus now forgives him how many times? Three times. Do you love me? You know I love you. Do you love me? You know I love you. You love me? You know I love you. When Patty and I were first married, first year of marriage, I was 21 years old. And I realized at 21, I had never, I was a good kid, I told you. Like I had done, like towed the line, right? Didn't, did the right stuff. And I realized at 21 uh, that I had never really kind of like rebelled. And I thought my first year of marriage would be a wonderful time to do that. Um, because she had gotten pregnant. Well, I mean, she didn't get pregnant. There's like a whole thing they'll teach you about in health class. But, um, but uh, so um, I was like, I gotta go, I gotta go, I gotta do, I gotta like get this out of my system before this kid comes. Cause I, I've never done anything like rebellious. So I decided to start picking up some habits. I started, uh, drinking late at night. I started, you know, smoking, you know, whatever. And, and I started doing these things. But the, the bigger thing is I would just lie to her, constantly lie to her. Where were you? Oh, I was this. What was this? And then I would, I would shower and, and throw my, or change my clothes or, and I would wash them other places. But I did that for a whole year. By the way, while I was at Bible college, by the way, while I was interning for a junior high youth ministry. And I remember one night, this is why I'll say all you guys are so powerful. Just hear me. Just listen to this. One night, I'm in the back of the room. And again, I'm just like living my life. I'm doing my thing. I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm doing my thing. I'm, I'm living two lives. And I watched this kid. His name's AJ. And AJ was a kid who was like a totally normal kid. And then at like 10, he got this disease that basically shut his whole body down, except for his mind. And so he, would, he, had, a, he had a walker. And so we'd, we'd all, I mean, he was super cool, and we'd always talk to him. And, and I remember this one night, AJ was in the very front row. And AJ, we were singing worship, and I was in the back kind of like, whatever. And I watched AJ. AJ had his arms over his walker, and he was worshiping God, and he was weeping. He was making noises because he couldn't make words. And the Spirit of God went, and I went, and I literally repent. You see how powerful you are? If you just live out this faith authentically, you see how you can change adults' lives? And I drove home, and I sat down with my wife, and I said, I have sinned against you, and I have sinned against God. Please forgive me. I've made a mockery of our marriage. I've started off our first year of marriage lying to you, and she forgave me, and I never forgot that. And to this day, I work so diligently to faithfully be a husband that, that God would first and foremost be proud of, but also that my wife would be, because I felt that forgiveness. And do you see what Peter did? God forgives him. He forgives you of your sins. 
but he also commissions you. You see how that works? I forgive you. To whom much is given, you see how he's forgiven you? Hey, eyes right here. You guys are real distracted. You don't want to miss this. It's so important, I promise you, because some of us need to feel this. You know what I'm saying? That we just kind of mess up. We do our own thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah? To whom much is given, you've been given much forgiveness. Much is required. And so Jesus is like, I got something for you. Go tell the world. Go tell the world of what you've gone through. Go tell them how you used to live in shame and now you've been released by my grace and my mercy. And what do we know that Peter did? He did it. And he died sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. He died in the exact same way that Jesus said he would. They believe he was crucified. Because he was sharing the good news of Jesus Christ because that's what happens when you come out of shame and you move into glory. The glory of the Father sharing the good news of Jesus Christ because you know what's been done for you. And this is what is the story of Peter. And this is the story of Thomas. But it's not just the the story of Peter. And it's not just the story of Thomas. It's your story. It's my story. And it's our story to do something with. It's your story to do something with. Stop just being consumers of Christianity Stop just being consumers of Christ's love and his grace and his mercy. Do something with it. Do something with it. Go tell others. Go make an impact in your community. Stop making excuses like I'm too young or one day I'm going to grow up. Stop it. Now is the time. He's called you right now. Do you know how important you are? Right now. Not later. Right now. Now you are important. Right now he had you be alive. He could have had you be alive 10 years in the past, but it's right now. And he wants you to know this, that even when you doubt, he can still use you. Even when you live in shame, he has redeemed you to go after and to share that good news with other people. But do you feel it? Or do you just consume it? Like church is something we consume instead of saying we're a part of a body. A body of Christ made for good works. You know in Ephesians it says this, you are his poema. It means you are his masterpiece. Made, you ready for this? For good works. How beautiful. You were made for that. You were designed for that. Purposely put on this earth for this reason. You have abilities that he's given to you. Go use them. Some of you have brilliant intellects. Go use it. Some of you are athletes. Go use it. Some of you are really funny. Make people laugh. Don't just do it to fill up yourself. Do it because joy is where the kingdom of God is. Some of you are peacemakers. You're so good at it. Be a peacemaker. Some of you are creative and artsy-fartsy. I love it. Go be artsy-fartsy. Go draw some stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like, get after it. Go do it. Some of you are eclectic. Do it. But do it for the glory of God. Do it so you can reflect his glory. He's like, look at the rocks, look at the birds. They're displaying the glory, joying in all of creation and being and worshiping the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And then Jesus says this just simply, follow me. Follow me. He made this statement all the way back when he called and he commissioned his disciples into his ministry. And he finishes it by saying, follow me. So how do we follow him? 
We follow him in spirit. In John 20, 20, uh, verse 21 through 23, and Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I, and take this as a commission that I bless over you right now. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sin, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, then they are not forgiven. He's saying, go forth in the spirit of God that has not given you a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power to do incredible things in this world. And we saw this in Acts 2. In Acts 2, the spirit comes and thousands of people come to be saved. And we are now the benefactors of that. But the spirit is still moving and still doing things for the glory of God. The Spirit is closer to you than your own heartbeat. Do you sense Him? Do you feel Him? Do you slow down enough to listen? Can you put this thing away for a second and believe that there's another voice speaking to you in your heart and in your soul that does not and is not tethered to an algorithm that's lying to you? Listen to the Spirit of God and what He's telling you to do, and then move forward obediently. And then we need to move forward in truth because that's what Jesus did. Romans 12 2 says this Do not be conformed to this world. Ready for this? But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Do not be conformed to this world. Don't do things the way every. That's boring. You know how boring it is to be like everybody else? It's boring. So stupid. How boring. I'm just like everybody else. Stop. Stop. You were uniquely designed by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He knit you together in his mother's, in your mother's womb with an intrinsic design to do something awesome. Don't be like everybody else. No, don't be conformed to this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect and move forward in that truth. The truth that Jesus displayed for you, the truth that put him on the cross, the truth that resurrected him from the grave, that he is who he says he is and he'll do what he says he do and he commissions and he calls a people to do the same thing that you and me. Now I know Coming up here, they call it the Camp High. Y'all are hyped up. I know I'm all hyped up. I'm excited. I get excited every time I teach something like this. You know why? Because I believe some of you are going to not just believe it, but you're going to live it out. You're going to go down that hill. You guys are going to be on a high for a while, but some of you are like, no, 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 that changed me. And you're going to go do something with it. I hope it's all of you. I hope it's all of you. But a, a mentor of mine reminded me, even Jesus has Judas. And I don't want that. Move forward in what he's called you to do. Don't leave it up here. That's silly too. Take it with you. Take it into your school. Take it into your youth group. Take it into your family. I bet you a bunch of you have moms and dads that don't know Jesus. And here's a, just a tad, a tip. Are you ready for it? Can I give you a tip? Honor your mom and dad. Stop being disrespectful. Maybe they see Jesus through the way you love and respect them. Boom. Okay, all done with that one. Okay, I could preach on that one. I might get wound up right now. Okay, uh, but you might just want to honor mom and dad and watch what God does through that. Maybe stop disrespecting 
and maybe just see that God has placed them in your life, in you and their life for a great, beautiful kingdom purpose. Start there. Start living that out. See what kind of difference you can make in this world by glorifying God in everything he has put in your path. I told you three and a half years ago that I got diagnosed with cancer. Did I not tell you that? And I'm sure that left a lot of you with like, whoa, what's going on then? I had three, three weeks where they were doing a test. And the test basically was to say this. I have nine months to live, or I live with cancer for the vast majority of my life, and eventually it'll take over me, but we don't know when. And I have a three-week period of time where they're going to do this test and tell me what's going on. So in those three weeks, I asked a lot of questions. I went through a lot of weird stuff. To be honest, I was kind of, I was pretty bummed at myself. You know, like I, like I wasn't listening to the Lord. You know, maybe all along he was trying to reveal, it's okay. All along he was trying to reveal to me something and I wasn't listening. And then I just found myself repenting. But let me tell you this, December 31st, 2019, right before we head into 2020, I sit down at the doctor. He comes in, sits with my wife and I, and he says, I don't know how to say this, but you're, you're healed. There's, he wouldn't have said that. He just says, there's nothing wrong. You're, you're cancer-free. And so let me tell you why that's important for me. I'm here today as a living example of God's grace and his mercy. And I want to give a testimony that he is who he says he is. And he does what he says he does. And I believe that in faith. And I'm going to spend the rest of my life telling kids, telling whoever God will allow me, that he loves you, he sees you, he knows you, he cares about you, and he's not done. If you'll just receive this commission that he's put on your life to go, and go in Greek means actually I-N-G, going, it's in every area you do, and that he will use you for his glory and his honor. And I'm a standing testimony to be able to stand in front of you today. He said he wasn't done with me yet. And I'm here today preaching in front of you because he's not done with me yet. And guess what? You're still alive and you got breath in his lungs and your lungs because he's not done with you yet either. Amen. So please, please, please don't keep this at camp. Please go home. Go home and thrive where he's planted you. Go home, share about Jesus in the way that you love and live your lives for his glory and his honor. And remember, there's a bunch of people who doubted and there's a bunch of people who lived in shame and God used them to change the world. And he wants to do the same thing with you. Heavenly Father, we stand in front of you as objects of grace. <laughs> grace. Grace, not because of anything that we've done, but a free gift that you gave to us through your son Jesus. Not that we could say, I've done this or I've done that, but you just loved us and you lavished that on us. And thank you that you call us your masterpiece. I love that. Not just our masterpiece, but a son and a daughter of the Most High God, a friend of God. Wow. Wow. Thank you. I pray over each one of these students. 
I know this has been a lot to take in. I know there's a lot in your word that we don't understand, but that's why your spirit is here to guide us and to lead us into spirit and in truth, to show us where to go, to show the people we're supposed to talk to. So I pray that you would give us wisdom and discernment to do what you want us to do. Continue to convict our hearts where we go astray. I pray for those who made a commitment to follow you last night, Lord Jesus. Would you allow that faith to flourish? God, I pray for those who re-repented last night. God, that they made a commitment to say, I'm going to stop faking it. Spirit of God, would you allow them to live into that commitment that they made? And for those of the rest of us who are living our faith out, God, would you encourage us to not stand in silence, but to be loud. Be loud with your gospel truth that we once were lost, but now we're found. We're blind, but now we're see, and that you received us home, and you want to do that for so many other people. Use the Spirit of God to do your work for your glory and your honor. In the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit, everybody said, Amen. Amen.